smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Well, it was always going to go to the wire, wasn't it? With one round remaining, just one point separates the league leaders Lille from Paris Saint-Germain. One point separates Monaco from Lyon in the race for Champions League qualification. One point separates Nantes from Strasbourg, Brest and Lorient. In the battle for survival, there is... An awful lot to play for ahead of round 38. And uh, with me today on uh, Le Bourgeois to look back at what was uh, a very exciting round 37. I'm uh, delighted to welcome Robbie Thompson onto the pod. How are you, Robbie? I'm very well, Matthew. Hello, everyone. Good morning, Andy, as well. Um, yeah, very exciting, isn't it? My word. Exciting times. Exciting for Paris Saint-Germain, who uh, could win the double this week. Andy Scott is triple, also triple, triple, super is also well. yeah no super no we don't trophy de champion <laughs> is only a trophy that uh, Paris Saint Germain talk about Ooh, internally okay. the rest the rest of us don't <laughs> count it as a real trophy Andy Scott how are you I'm uh, I'm not bad thanks Matt yeah I'm I'm looking forward to Monaco winning the double did you know that that's still a possibility good point well we've got the French Cup final by the way on on Wednesday night Monaco against PSG that should be absolutely fantastic. Um, Andy is right. I put Monaco in the uh, in the Champions League chasing category, but um, yeah, if if Lille and, and PSG get turned over and uh, and Monaco um, beats Lens, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lens on, on the final day, they'd need to beat them. I think by at least five goals. They need to overturn a, a a six goal goal difference deficit. Anyway, we'll we'll get into the maths um, a little bit later in the pod, but we're going to start with Lille. Um, on Sunday night, Lille uh, were greeted by thousands of supporters at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Uh They could have been <clears throat> just two hours away from winning the league title, um, but it was a nervy night. A nervy night as uh, the league leaders took on Saint-Étienne. Armel Tanguy commentated the action. You can feel the tension. Lille desperate for the goal. This might well be their last good chance of the encounter for a team who've only failed to score in three games so far this season. Yazice goes straight for goal, it's off the post! It comes for Braderich and it's blocked on its way through. What a moment that would have been for Yusuf Yazice. Braderich hoofs it in towards Burak Yilmaz. Etienne Green has come and he's once again claimed it. And that is that here at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. Lille denied the title on the evening. Um, Andy, Lille, um, I wouldn't say they fluffed their lines. They they got a point, which ensures that they have their destiny still in their own hands. A victory away to Angers uh, would be enough for them to clinch their first title in a decade. But obviously, they wanted to win their last home game. And, uh, you know, looking at the highlights of that game... Didn't have many chances, you know, before that Yazici shot that Etienne Green ter- turned onto the post. Just a pretty worrying performance from them. Um, yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, well, I, 
I'm not sure if you call it worrying. I mean, I suppose they, they at the end of the day, they they needed four points from the last two matches to win the title. They've got one. They need to. They just need to win the last game now. Simple as that sounds. Uh, obviously, you know they were expected to beat Saint Etienne, a team with nothing specific left to play for. But you know, we talked about this uh, last time I was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We talked about this that their their home form uh, has not actually necessarily been that impressive. They've had a lot of disappointing results against teams around Saint Etienne in the table, teams you would normally expect the league leaders to be beating, and they haven't done that. And uh, and now it comes down to one last away game, and their away form has been tremendous. So, um, you know, th- there's no need for panic stations necessarily they didn't lose the game had they lost the game of course we'll talk about PSG then you know the situation would have been different they would have uh, given up top spots they're still there still got the destiny in their own hands and um, you know this is going to be I think they should I mean Christoph Galti will probably say this is a week for them to enjoy you know they've got this it's such an exciting time for them they're one win away from winning the title um, and it's such an exciting time for everybody because uh, it is so tense at the top of the table. So, you know, not a great result for them. When you look at the result on paper, a nil-nil draw doesn't look that exciting. Um, but it's still in their hands. And so, you know, that's surely all they could possibly have asked for heading into the last game of the season. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head, Andy, insofar as it doesn't really matter what happened on the football pitch and or, you know, tactics and, and, and form and all this sort of thing. This is an absolute war of attrition now, and Lil just need to get across the line. It's going to be all about how they can manage their emotions. For me, that result yesterday, whether it was deserved or not deserved, yes, they hit the post, yes, they could have won. It, it doesn't matter now. They're one point clear with six days to try and just keep a lid on this. And yes, Galtier's role is going to be hugely important because they'll be worried now. Because it's not just them, it's all the talk around them. It's everyone saying, oh, they almost bottled it. Now they're only one point in front, any slip up and they will lose the title. And it's going to be that for six, for seven days now before that. How can they deal with that? Because they are the hunted. And let's not forget, they've also had a very long season as well. They had Europa League football. They'll, if they just let any little bit of doubt get into their minds, this could be a very long week for them. And uh, I think it's going to be won or lost in the heads, in the heads of, of both these teams, or three teams, if you uh, include Monaco, still fighting for that title, and what happens on Wednesday night between two other rivals for the title as well. Yeah, I, I think Saint Etienne are, are playing pretty well at the moment as well, and I have to say, I, I was looking at that fixture as a, a poten- potential banana skin for for Lille, so perhaps a draw isn't so bad. But um, Andy, we'll we'll come on to the game you commentated, Marseille against Angers, but just a word perhaps about Angers and uh, whether they can can trouble Lille. And also, um, I think it's significant, very significant, that the captain, Jose Font, is um, is out, isn't he? He's, he's, he's suspended for the final mm-hmm. game, not just because he is such a solid and uh, uh, reliable centre-back, but also because I think Sven Botman is a superb player alongside Jose Font. And I, and I just wonder if they're going to lose quite a lot of that solidity without without that centre-back pairing. There, you see, Matt, there you start posing the questions. They're the questions that start. And Lil, this is going to be a week of this for them. My <laughs> God, how are they going to cope? How will they cope without Jose Font? My God, it's finished. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, l- l- listen, the thing about Lil is that, you know, they, they've got in, they, they've got a team that uh, doesn't quite pick itself. Because everybody knows they play this 4-4-2. Um, they've got Lots of options in midfield and attack, and it's not always easy for Christophe Galtier to pick from one game to the next. Who's going to start in central midfield? Who's going to start up front, even on the wings? Uh, 
The, the difference is in central defence, you know it's going to be Jose Font and Sven Botman. So when Font's not there, that does, of course, present a problem for them. Um, I mean, listen, you know, they, 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 should, they should have enough. I mean, the top of the league, they should have enough to beat, to beat Angers. You mentioned the game that I, um, I covered last night and it was involving Angers. I mean, uh, we'll talk about the madness in that match when we come round to it, but put it this way, Angers um, didn't necessarily play brilliantly in Marseille last night. There was not necessarily much in that game to suggest they should be troubling the league leaders. But one thing that is worth pointing out is they're at home. I know there's no fans going to be there in the stadium, but they're at home on the last day and it's the last game for their coach, Stefan Moulin, who's been the manager there for 10 years. So it's a big occasion for them, special night um, for them, regardless of Lille's situation. They will want to finish the season on a high. We'll see if that has any kind of uh, impact on the match. I think it's going to be uh, such a tense last evening at that game and, and everywhere else as well. And I think the absence of Font, of course, that will play into it. It'll be you know, really interesting to see how Lille get on without him. I'm just looking at the, the team sheet from last night. Who will come in for Jose Font? I think that's a big question because on the bench last night, they had Braderich, Jeremy Pierre and Thiago Giallo. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be him. So there's it'll no Thi- central Thi- defender Thi- there has, who's been playing as a, as a fullback mostly when he when he's yeah, played yeah but he has he's played role. at least once or twice at center back but you're ah, right well, i mean that's okay. that's what we've said all season bob haven't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't it absolutely that, that well, if, one them, if one who of them left yeah if one of botman or font gets injured um they're in trouble and they've you know those two have been pretty much ever present exactly um, otherwise there's it's all midfielders and attackers on the bench so look there oh, are, robbie's there, getting excited i can feel this he's thinking he's thinking it's gonna happen no i'm just starting i'm just starting the the media assault in my own little world of putting pressure on Lille, turning things around in my head. Yeah, That's just all. to just to just to, to emphasise on that point, um, the 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 two players who've played most minutes for Lille this season, apart from Mike Mignon uh, in goal, the two most used outfield players in terms of minutes are Botman and Font. So you know these are the two guys who've not really missed a game, and and you'd imagine it will be Thiago Jello who comes into the side. I suppose they could drop one of the central midfielders back into the defence if needed. Maybe Sumare could play there, but I'd imagine it'll be Jello. Mm. Jose Font was quite funny after the game saying that he's he's never seen Saint-Étienne play that well all season and he d- didn't know what happened to them last night. And uh, <laughs> the mind games uh, are starting. Claude Puel, the former Lille coach now in charge of Saint-Étienne, said afterwards he hopes Lille will, will win the league. I don't think Angers have got any particular sides to to pick i mean they don't care do they if uh, if Lille or, or psg are champions they what like you say andy stefan moulin has been angers coach for 10 years and uh he will want to to go out on a high no question about it um we'll talk about paris saint germain now um robbie thompson was was busy at the parc des princes as the as ever it's um very much his second home these days, and uh, Robbie was commentating Paris Saint-Germain against Rouse. Let's hear what happened in the capital. Mbappe, oh now, was that a penalty? It is. Angel Di Maria, very close to the assist, but he won't get it there. It's a penalty. Oh, and it's a red card. Well, that's a bit rough. On Yunus Abdelhamid. Neymar steps up. And Neymar, as cool as you like, opens the scoring for Paris Saint-Germain in the 13th minute. Back with Neymar, Di Maria, Neymar, it's clever play, Neymar still, a triple one-two between Di Maria and Neymar. Oh, and the mistake, 
And a second goal, Kylian Mbappe with his 26th of the Ligue 1 season, his 40th in all competitions this term. There's the cross in, the header, and this time it's in. I'm not sure who it's going to be attributed to. I think it's Marquinhos, did he? But I uh, didn't know too much about it. Neymar's got there, only just. And now Moise Keane. And that's goal number four. And Moise Keane gets his name on the score sheet. The man on loan from Everton in what could be his last game at the Parc des Princes. Uh, Robbie. You were you were whinging last week about Lille getting an, an early penalty um, in their game. This time it was PSG's. Um, so the question I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, you know, did it did it was it disappointing? Did it ruin the game a bit that PSG got an early penalty? It did. If you listen to the commentary, I was whinging in the in the commentary last <laughs> night, and funnily enough, uh, I, I at half time I went around to the the people next to me. I went the the PSG. Uh, match analysts who work with the tactical team um, and the sporting team with Maurizio Pochettino were just two uh, two meters away from me. I went and chatted to them. I went and chatted to the the, the French commentators who were who were next to me as well. And uh, the PSG uh, tactical team said, "Yeah, red card was a bit hard, wasn't it?" I spoke to the French journalists, and they all said, "Logical red card." You know, he did it on purpose. He tried to block the ball with his hand and no problem there whatsoever. For me, it was very harsh. Uh, penalty, yes, for sure, because the ball was going in and it was stopped by the hand of, of Yunus Abdelhamid. But the red card... It wasn't It wasn't going in. It was going across the goal. Okay, so yeah. even... Well, no, 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 no. But I mean, it's first of all, yeah, it's a, you know, it's, it, it's a clear penalty. It was Neymar, wasn't yeah. it? Sorry, because I'm going... No, it was Killian. Like Sorry. Too. So a pass from Di Maria uh, into the right channel for Kylian Mbappe, who rounded... Uh, the goalkeeper, and then shot on an angle. And Yunus Abdelhamid, the, the Reims captain, came sliding in to try and block it. And uh, as you do, quite naturally, I think, his arm was behind him on the ground as he went, as he went sliding in. Um, OK, the referee decided that he was making his body bigger. The ball did hit his arm. Um, so, so penalty. But then the red card, I thought. It all happened in the, the blink of an eye. And I thought the red card was very harsh. It came in the 11th minute. Abdul Ahmed couldn't really believe it. David Guillon, the, the coach of France, couldn't really believe it. And uh, yeah, look, it, it didn't ruin the game. Well, the contest was certainly affected by, by, by that result. I don't think Paris Saint-Germain players would have been complaining. They knew that this was their only chance of winning the title came by getting a win. So obviously they, they, were, they were very happy. They ran out 4-0 winners. Neymar's penalty was superb against Rajkovic, who's a, a penalty specialist as well. Rajkovic had only conceded four of 11 penalties in Ligue 1 before that, which is quite remarkable. I mean, not, even, not only remarkable, it's miraculous. He's that good. Mm. And Neymar, was just, it was a, another superb penalty. Uh, Marquinhos got on the score sheet, Killian and uh, Moise Keane in the end as well to complete a 4-0. But yes, the penalty in the red card in, in 12 minutes uh, finished the contest, shall we say. No, the red card. I for me, it's not a red card, but we'd have to, you know, the rules change well, so I often, agree. and we'd have to look it up. And I exactly. certainly don't think it was intentional, because, like you say, he was sliding to try and try and cut out the, the you know, the angle between Mbappe and, and the goal. And actually, the shot has kind of come behind him, and it's hit him on the arm. The referee um, said to David Guillon, you, he comes over to talk to David Guillon, and, he, and you hear him say in the microphone, "I'm just doing it to the letter of the law." There's no, yeah. there's no debate. I'm not. Andy I'm Scott just... shaking his head, but I do think that French journalists and uh, uh, you know the media coverage 
there's a, a very often a, an acceptance you know the softest of red cards they go well yeah foot was up or yeah, uh, yeah. you know much more so than than a a UK public, I would say. Well, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, the, the way that the British um, treat these decisions is is not necessarily the right way, of course. I mean, we have an understanding of the game. Um, you know, those of us who, who who grew up in the UK, perhaps we have an understanding of the game, which is different um, to, to certain parts of, of Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, that is true. Now, of course, the game has changed since uh, since I was growing up in, in the 90s. It's not just because of the introduction of, of VAR that the game has changed and that the, the way the rules are applied is different. When it comes to the handball uh, law, it's slightly different, perhaps. I mean, the, the incident last night is not the same as um, I would refer back to the, the game last weekend in Rennes. And I know there was not a red card involved, but the penalty decision that went PSG's way in that game, to me, to me was, was bordering on, on scandalous. I think it was... Uh, an, an incredible decision to give a penalty because, you know, too often people say, yeah, but if you look at the replay, slow it down and and and, and you can see the contact. But I'm sorry, but sometimes you have to, you, you can't always base it on a, on a slow motion replay. Uh, again, the incident in the game last night is 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 not the same. It's a different one, but there is, if the referee's talking about applying the, you know, the, the letter of the law, well, I'm sorry, but sometimes context is important as well. Um, in a game, and you know, to send a player off in in the tenth minute for that to me just just seems to me um, too much. I mean, it's it's a decision that went PSG's way. That's fine, and and obviously the way in which they play the game, they're bound to win more penalties and get decisions that go their way. That's that's all. You know, supporters of smaller teams like Rams might complain and say, you know, if if it's in fact it happened in the Marseille Angers game last night, which again we'll come to, but the Angers player at the end of the game said, you know, if that. If that was in the other penalty box, a decision wouldn't have been given. But because it's against us and we're a smaller club, the decision gets given. And and I suppose some Rams fans might say the same thing. But you know, ultimately, the decision went against Rams, and that's just unfortunate for them. And it went PSG's way. They went on to win the game easily. And and there we have it. You know, they're they're in a position now to possibly win the title on the last day, partly thanks to that. I, I think they probably would have won the game anyway, though. Robbie would probably agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robbie, um, there was. There was a bit of concern, obviously, after PSG's Champions League exit that maybe the the players would kind of switch off and mentally be on holiday a little bit early, particularly after that Ren draw. Um, they look up for it. I mean, obviously, a good win, 4-0 last night. They're going to have to be um, at least somewhere near their best on Wednesday if they're going to beat a Monaco side that is just absolutely outstanding in, in 2021. Um, what do you think? Is, is Poch going to land the first trophy of his career? And Second we're not, after the uh, trophy no, de Rob, champion, we're not. obviously. I've, I've told you already, the trophy <laughs> de champion. You know, we're talking major trophies, okay? Yeah, okay. What do you reckon? So, yeah, I think Poch is a... Well, what what do you want me to say? No, I don't think they have any chance on Wednesday night. I'd be very surprised if Poch... By the way, Rob, Monaco, I saw a stat. Only, only Man City <laughs> have got a better winning ratio than Monaco in 2021. It's going to be a cracking game, isn't it? It is. It's going, to be, it's going to be a brilliant game. And let's not forget that Monaco have beaten Paris Saint-Germain twice in Ligue 1 this season, coming down coming back from 2-0 down at halftime at the Stade Louis II and then absolutely dominating Paris at the Parc des Princes for a, for a 2-0 victory there with a, a, well, absolutely dominating. They got an early goal and then a late goal and that was that was an, enough to do it. Um, yeah, Wednesday night, that's, a, that's one, one issue. To go back to your question about a Paris Saint-Germain up for it, but of course they're up for it, Matt. They're, they're fighting for the Ligue 1 title and the, the cup final. This this idea that Paris Saint Germain players are only interested in the Champions League is is a uh, is is not true. 
It's not a, a the, yes, the club has a lot of, a lot of, a lot riding on Champions League success. Obviously, they've, they've set out their stall to win the Champions League over the last 10 years, and, and that's their, their ultimate aim. But any footballer, of course, when they're, they're coming up to two games left, one game left to play, and they have a chance to win the league and a chance to win the, the cup that they've won six out of the last seven seasons, the league that they've won uh, seven out of the last nine seasons, this is uh, what they play for. Absolutely, of course. You could see it after the game when Verratti and Kimpembe were watching the last minutes of the Saint-Étienne Lille game on the, on the telephone in the stands. You can see how much, how much it means to them, obviously. Just the, what you mentioned the, the Coupe de France final. Maybe some of our listeners worth um, pointing out that Neymar, of course, is is suspended for that for that game against Monaco, isn't he? Kimpembe as well, and uh, yep, Kimpembe absolutely. too. Yeah, Kimpembe obviously had that red card last weekend. Neymar was was booked at the end of the Montpellier semi final on uh, on Wednesday, which was which was a great game, and um, Kylian Mbappe was was electric in that match. Obviously, I was mm-hmm. I was covering Marseille last night, so only saw the highlights of of the PSG game. But Mbappe against Montpellier was really. Um, Really on fire it was something, yeah, really yeah. quite something. So, uh, but but the Neymar situation, they are there is a possibility that they will appeal the Neymar suspension um, to the authorities, which in theory means that they could um, put that suspension on hold and allow him to play in the cup final. But we'll see what happens with that one. Well, Monaco uh, were two one victors over Rennes at the uh, Stade Louis II. Uh, Wissam Ben Yedder getting up to to twenty goals for the season. Alexander Golovin uh, on target as well for Monaco. Um, their, their brilliant form continues. They remain one point above Lyon. Um, I was commentating Lyon's game away to Nîmes. Seven goals in it. Lyon winning it uh, 5-2. Nîmes were um, absolutely hopeless, really, in the first <laughs> half defensively. Um, Baptiste René, I think Lyon had 17 attempts. René made a dozen saves. Um, and they just left the likes of Depay and, uh, and Awar and Paqueta. Far too much space. Two goals for Paqueta. Memphis as well has got 20 goals now for the season, plus 10 assists. First uh, first Leon player uh, to achieve that feat since uh, Opta began their stats in 2006-2007. So, yeah, Monaco a point above uh, above Leon. I feel that Andy's itching to to come in and talk about Marseille. Um, But before we talk about Marseille, a quick reminder that you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. We love your feedback and uh, we are inviting you uh, to get in touch ahead of our final uh, end of season podcast next week. Um, if you have some ideas for our end of season awards, you can send us an email, league1podcast at gmail.com. Um, we've got categories. Um, send in your suggestions and we will uh, incorporate some of them, if they're if they're good ones, into the pod next uh, week. We would like to, to hear from good. you. They have to be good. Yeah, <laughs> don't just um, don't run just of the go mill. for yeah. No, we just need something special. PSG players and stuff because that's what Robbie does. Um, <laughs> any suggestions, please, for player of the season? Feel free to um, give a little argument as to why. Uh, coach of the season, goal of the season, surprise of the season and moment of the season. So, what's that? Two, four, five categories concocted by producer Ian Holyman. Send in your thoughts, please. Player of the season, coach of the season, goal of the season, surprise of the season, and moment of the season. Moment of the season may not have happened yet. It may happen next Sunday night. It it may. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm picturing it. Diving header from uh, 
Ranildo in the dying seconds and oh, Christoph Galtier's triple salto um, over the halfway line. He's going to do a like David Pleat dance, David Pleat, when he kept looting up and it was in 86 or something. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's move on to Marseille because Andy is going to explode. He had a dramatic night at the Velodrome. Marseille against Angers. Um, Jorge Sampaoli's team trying to secure a Europa League qualification. Um, Andy will explain to us exactly what you need to get into the Europa League group stage. Let's hear his commentary. Marseille versus Angers from the Velodrome. Payet with the ball to Toba. Lirola rather. Lirola on the right-hand side with the ball into the middle. And it's into the net. Arkadiusz Milik gets the breakthrough for Marseille. Followed by Rangier. Touch by Payet. Milik is in here. Milik to make it two. Another lethal finish from Arkadiusz Milik. It's his second goal and Marseille's second goal. Angers corner. And there's the header from Pavlovic and it's been turned in. Angers do get the goal back. And it is Pereira Lage who scores it. Marseille with more defending to do here. Mondanda comes out to collect. And uh, I think he caught his own player on the way through. The ball has gone into the net. The referee blew his whistle. Now, what the Angers players are saying is that there was absolutely not a foul, that it was a collision between Mondanda and one of his own players. The referee has got this one wrong. There's no offside, first of all. And that ball comes in. Mondanda crashing into Hiroki Sakai, nearly decapitates the Japanese player. And he has given the goal. A dramatic moment in this game. And uh, the Marseille players continue to protest the referee. Jorge Sampaoli has been shown a yellow card. So is Alvaro Gonzalez now. Frank Schneider, the referee, is coming across to take a look at this one in stoppage time. And Frank Schneider is going to give a penalty kick here to Marseille. Incredible scenes in the third minute of stoppage time at the end of this game. They need these points, Marseille, as they uh, chase a place in the Europa League next season. Milik does it. It's a hat-trick for Arkadiusz Milik. That's what it means to Marseille. They might have thrown this one away, but they have been salvaged in stoppage time. Andy, a dramatic victory for Olympique de Marseille. Um, we saw Pablo Longoria, the club president, going absolutely berserk in, in the stands, uh, a result that effectively clinches fifth place for them as well. Yeah, that's right, which is uh, no small thing because um, it means that they'll be, we'll get this out of the way first, shall we? It means that they'll be in the Europa League group stage next season. Now, it previously would have meant a place in the new Europa Conference League, but because of the situation with the Coupe de France final, with PSG playing Monaco and both teams already uh, guaranteed to be in the top four, that means that the, the Europa League group stage place for the cup winner goes to uh, fifth place instead, along with fourth. And so Marseille, uh, are on course to be in the Europa League next season. They still need a point from their final game to be sure of finishing fifth. They are three points ahead of Lens in sixth, and sixth place is the new Europa Conference League. So there is a difference because I think a club of Marseille standing would say they'd rather be in the Europa League than the Europa Conference League. Um, so that kind of added something. Goal difference is in their favour yeah, as well, isn't absolutely, it, Absolutely, yeah. In yeah, terms yeah, of Lens trying to catch Basically, they'd have to lose fairly heavily. There needs to be a six-goal swing for them yeah. to be caught by Lens on the final yeah. day. And Lens playing Monaco, as we said earlier. So that's pretty unlikely. So they're, they're going to finish 
um, fifth by the by the looks of it. And that means that what happened at the end of the game last night is all the more important because, um, I mean, we'll start from the beginning. Basically, they were they were actually pretty impressive for about 50 minutes. They were 2-0 up against an Angers team with nothing to play for, a couple of goals from Milik. And uh, they looked to be absolutely cruising. And then Angers got a goal back from not very much. And even then with five minutes left, you didn't really expect Angers to get to get anything from the game. And then suddenly with five minutes to go, Steve Mandanda comes out and and has that howler, which you'll have heard of all, all my confusion in the commentary, and um, basically drops the free kick into the box, uh, clatters into his teammate Hiroki Sakai, and the defender, well, the Angers player Roman Toma, turns the ball into the net. And and the confusion came because, you know, the referee it, on autopilot gives the free kick uh, Marseille's way because ah, Mondanda exactly. goes down. And this is another thing, you know, when we come talk about referees making decisions. This is coup de gueule territory, Matt. Yeah, uh, it, well, it really is because, because you know, I mean, yeah. I, th- I think I talked about this recently about the idea that goalkeepers are uh, overly protected in the penalty box and um, actually when they might commit a foul on, on an opposing player, sometimes it's not given, right? And it was a, the incident was the Anthony Lopez one in the Monaco-Leon game when he was uh, penalised and the penalty was given against him for something that probably normally wouldn't be. On this occasion, uh, Mondanda seemed to be protected by the referee. He just thought, well, he's He's, he's dropped the ball. He must have been fouled. And of course, he saw in VAR mm-hmm. that he wasn't. The goal was given. And that is uh, the good side of VAR. Um, and then at the other end, a couple of minutes later, Roman Toma scored the goal, gives away the penalty. And another one that's not given by the referee initially, but he comes to check the footage and he can see clearly that there is a foul. Now, it's quite interesting because um, the, the player who's fouled is the youngster, Amadou Bomba Dieng, who's a, a young striker who Marseille brought in at the beginning of the season. And he was actually given his chance in the first team by Nasser Largue well, after Andre Villas-Boas had been sacked. And, and he's sort of hung around in the first team, um, the fringes of the first team squad under San Pauli. And he'd come on for Florian Tovan um, with about five minutes left when Marseille was still winning the game. And, and it was quite uh, notable, really, because it was Tovan's last game after 280 matches for the club before he heads off to Mexico. And, um, and there he was just taking off no reception from the Marseille support, of course, that was his last game and he was off the field by the time all this drama exploded. And uh, Dieng was the player who won the penalty. And uh, Milik eventually got to take it and completed his hat-trick from the spot. So, um, you know, it was a great night for Milik, who's proving himself to be, gradually, to be the, the top-class striker that they have needed for such a long time. Big moment for him to score that hat-trick goal, a win which Marseille thoroughly deserved on the course of the game, albeit they would have only have had themselves to blame if they'd, uh, if they'd dropped two points. But... Um, yeah, just an incredible finish from a game that probably when you looked at it going into the weekend, you would have thought, oh, well, the drama's elsewhere. But uh, really quite amazing finish to that match. Yeah, Florian Tovan, I can confirm, got a round of applause um, from the journalists when he gave his post-match press conference. So he did get some some ovation. And uh, I think people will have a lot of respect for Florian Tovan for what he's done uh, for Marseille. And, you know, good luck to him. He says he needs to to go and find... Some uh, some passion again, rekindle that passion. So he's off to he's off to Mexico. I think San Paoli has done a good job, but what I would say, Rob, is that Marseille have lacked a proper centre forward for so long. And you know what a difference it makes when you've got a player of Milik's caliber. Can they now keep him? Pablo Longoria says they're they're in control of the dossier. The dossier <laughs> seems to be quite quite complex, and we know that you know Juventus and a, a lot of clubs in Italy are very interested in him. It's important, isn't it? Because Marseille are going to be having some kind of rebuild this summer, Robbie, and they need a they need a proper striker. 
Absolutely. Well, he signed an 18-month loan deal from Napoli, which is, is uh, from my understanding, there are, there are trigger clauses as well that almost make it permanent. Um, but an 18-month loan means that Marseille are in the, in the box seat unless the player says, look, I, I want out, I don't want to play. Basically, I'm not going to try, which isn't a very professional approach for, for someone who is clearly a great professional in Arkadiusz Milik. Um, on the football pitch, I think he's a great player. I think no doubt there are there are there are clubs circling clubs that want him and if he if he does want back to Italian football because there is a there is a certain attraction for players that have that have cut their teeth in Italy to go back there there there's something about the environment there that 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 brings people in um but Milik on the pitch has been fantastic for Marseille and and yeah absolutely a, a focal point for the attack a, a player that makes fantastic runs the whole time who never stops he 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 positions himself well. He defends well. He's that first line of defence. He has discipline, and uh, look, he's not uh, the most creative striker. I don't think he's a, a you know that charismatic, but he is a, a, a machine. He he know he understands football. He knows how to play football, and that that is, that is excellent. And what a, a club like Marseille need as well. So all great great for Marseille to have Milik, and I hope he stays next season because in European football he will be very important for them. Can I just say? quickly that Longoria's reaction at the final whistle is outrageous <laughs> how can you how are you serious and th- this for me a club president reacting like that at at the end of a game yeah like a like a fan like a long-term supporter of Marseille except that he isn't he arrived at the start of this season as sporting director he he's yes there is pressure on him yes a president of a club has to be able to hold himself. He's sitting two seats from the Angers president. A little bit of respect, a little bit of of, of decorum. And uh, look, it's great to see Goodness passion. Me, it's Robbie. great to see emotion. But Matt, this pa- do you this see other? Tell, tell me another you, president that's like... going to be acting like that What's when you're when your team. Because pre- you know, there's nothing wrong with looking happy. You can look happy, penalty. Matt. Okay, I encourage people to go onto YouTube and have a look at the reaction, which is that of a lifelong uh, Marseille supporter at the final whistle, at the end of the Champions League final, when, when you have won it. Because th- for a club president to have seen his side uh, throw away a two-goal lead again, in a match where they should never, you have to be thinking more pragmatically than that. For me, and great, Pablo Longoria loving it, going crazy, fantastic. No respect for the man sitting alongside him, the Angers president. Okay, fair enough. But for me... Look, Angers look got, more it's long not like term. Sending Angers down. Angers have got nothing to play Absolutely. for. I mean, oh, so the president doesn't care. No, look, looking looking ahead to to more pressure cooker situations for Marseille that will come in the future. If Longoria is reacting like that after a a, a, a three two win, uh, I think my, that his position it could become more problematic than than that going forward. You've got to be able he's to control only, your he's emotions only better than that. Your club Come president. On, he's only thirty four. <laughs> he he didn't know where Marseille was until a year ago. Well, Andy. Yeah, I mean, he's he's worked in a, a hundred different mm-hmm. clubs. Okay, look. I, Honestly, I, tell me another president in Ligue 1 who would who would react like that. I feel like there's some jealousy here, Rob. Ooh, Just because you know okay. you weren't a club president at the age of 34, he's done pretty well so <laughs> far on, for on himself. A, on a slightly more, you know, on a serious note, actually, that could be very significant. That result beyond the beyond the obvious outpouring of emotion, the way in which it happened, because um, 
that I mean, there's going to be a difference, right, between being in the Europa League and being in this new this new competition. I mean, the Europa Conference League, um, maybe for anybody who doesn't quite know what it is, I mean, it's essentially a competition for um, clubs from the so-called smaller leagues around Europe. There's only going to be one team in it from each of the big five or six European leagues. Um, and and it's going to be the team that finishes in sixth or seventh place in the likes of La Liga and Bundesliga and, and the Premier League. So, for example, mm. the, the probably most notable name is going to be in the Europa Conference League as it stands, as far as we know, is going to be Roma with uh, Jose Mourinho in charge next season. But obviously... Perhaps, perhaps Arsenal, perhaps, perhaps Arsenal. Well, yeah, perhaps Arsenal. Exactly, Matt, exactly. But the, but this is the point. And, 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 and therefore, it makes the Europa League that much more attractive, whereas in the past, the Europa League was kind of seen as this thing that nobody wanted to be in. But the Europa League is now going to be a a slightly smaller competition. Uh, Marseille would go straight into the group stage and obviously come up against a higher calibre of team and, and the, the financial rewards would be greater. And and maybe Pablo Longoria is is not, you know, maybe he's thinking very much seriously about the fact that there's going to be more money available for us to to buy the players we need. Because when you look at that team, um, it's not just Tovan who's leaving. There are other players who are going to go as well. They might not keep Milik. They might get to keep Milik now that they're going to be going mm. into the Europa League. But there's also... Kubakar Kamara is a good example, you know, a very uh, talented young player that they've got there. He's only got a year left on his contract and, and he's possibly their, um, their, their biggest asset financially. You know, they, they may have to sell Kubakar mm. Kamara and he, he is hinted. They may. Reports, yeah. uh, reports there after Matteo, Matteo de Genduzzi to come in for, for exactly. Kamara. I think that could be an, an interesting signing for them. But yeah, that may, I mean, there, there is going to be a rebuild and... Uh, I don't know. I think the velodrome with supporters in, with San Paoli's passion, with uh, you know Pablo Longoria. Longoria's passion. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, Rob. Um, not sure you're completely sincere there, but let's let's get some deja vu action in. Um, time to give the answer of last week's deja vu. Um, you have to guess who we're talking about. The clue was my father was a wrestler, and I inherited his physique. I played only for Marseille in France, and my three years there ended with me briefly wearing another team's sky blue shirt. I then had a successful decade in the country of my mother's birth, winning four league titles and a Champions League. Uh, the answer, will I pronounce this well, Daniel Van Buiten. Daniel Van Buiten. Um, correct answers came in from Pierre Fager, uh, Adam Cyrilnik, James Cathy, John Cross and Habib Bar. And uh, Pedreg McCloskey, sorry, Andy, is that how you pronounce it? It sounds like a Scottish name. It sounds like a Scottish name to me, it might be. (laughs) That's a a really, I mean, I was listening to the podcast on the train uh, down to Montpellier the other day for the PSG game, and I I had no idea who that was. And I'd completely forgotten that Daniel Van Buiten um, had anything to do with Liga. It's amazing how how short our memories become. Certainly, my memory becomes after all that time. I re- I very much remember him him playing for Marseille. I didn't know that his dad was oh. a wrestler. I didn't know his mother was German. Um, now Ian Holyman is making them really hard, and this is extremely difficult. So you know our listeners are good. That's the thing. They 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 keep on. Well, they are. A lot of them keep on getting the answers. So here we go. This week's Deja Who. If you think you know the answer, you can email us. Uh, league one podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter, Le Beau Jeu. Here we go. I played with Riyad Mahrez long before either of us hit the big time during my two year spell on the Normandy coast. I had one Ligue 1 season with my only top flight team in France before fighting tooth and claw 
for promotion to the Premier League. My first name might suggest Italian heritage, but I'm actually of Moroccan descent. Hmm. I like it. I like it, Ian. Um, it's 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 a tough one, but I think it's gettable. I think some of the regulars, uh, you know, Adam Cyrilnik, Habib Barra, and 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 the rest, John Crossan. Um, good luck to you guys. Do email in League One Podcast at gmail.com. Let's finish by um, talking about the relegation dogfights. Nîmes are relegated now, along with Dijon. It was a sorry night in Nîmes. Um, ultimately, lacking the quality, I think, required. Renault Ripper gave an interview afterwards saying that we have the quality, but we only had uh, 15 points in, in mid-February. There, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Um that has made life difficult, I think, for for the Neem players. But uh, sadly, the Crocodiles, um, their three-year stint in the top flight has has come to an end. They are down. Uh, Nantes, well, they've won four in a row now. Um, Four-nil victors away to Dijon, bottom of the table, Dijon. Um, and yet, Nantes are still in 18th. They are in the position um, that uh, represents a playoff against uh, a Ligue 2 side, still to be uh, determined. Um, and everybody else won as well. It was I was commentating Leon Neem, and it was just miserable because Neem kept conceding, and the teams just above them in the league kept on scoring. Um, we had a big victory for Bordeaux, three nil against uh, Lens. Uh, Strasbourg won two nil away to Nice thanks to Ludovic Ajorc, and uh, Lorient got a dramatic two one victory against Metz. Metz equalised quite late on in that game. Lorient hit back and it was uh, Erjou, their, their, their veteran fullback who's playing in the top flight for the first time um, this season. So, I mean, everybody is fighting and, guys, it does look... I'll just uh, bring you up to speed on the, uh, the standings. Nantes, 18th with 40 points. There are then three teams above them on 41. Strasbourg, Brest and Lorient. And we've got Bordeaux and Rouse with 42 points. They should be okay. Um, important. Yeah. In, yeah, it's not It's not definite, but it is important to point out that Strasbourg and Lorient play each other. So I was, what, I was commentating the Reims game and thinking 42 points. Reims have nothing really to play for against Paris Saint-Germain. Yes, the, the sending off and all of it, 4-0 defeat. But suddenly at halftime, I was looking at the standings and seeing the other results and and Reims are not in the in the clear yet either. Thirteenth place, mm. heading into the last game of the season, and you could yet be be relegated. Is uh but is Rob, remarkable. We're talking about how tight it is at the top. Yes, but Reims's goal difference is only minus seven, mm-hmm. whereas Bordeaux Bordeaux yeah, minus they... fifteen. And you look at yeah 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 yeah. But yes, hang but on, let, let me finish. Points, yeah, okay. Strasbourg and Lorient <laughs> play each other. Okay, so they're going to drop. Either both will <laughs> drop points. Or one of them well, will well, they, get if, zero if, points. So if it, if 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 it's a draw, what I'm saying is, if it's a draw between Strasbourg and Lorient, they both have 42. Um, yeah, but I guess if Rounds lose, they could they could have a yeah. worse difference than goal difference than Strasbourg, but it wouldn't be worse than Lorient. Unless, so that Rounds 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 unless they lose by by a by a barrel load of goals. But ne- nevertheless, the fact the fact is that officially there are six teams who could still finish the season in the playoff place going into the last day, even if. Even if the chances of Rance doing it are very, very slim indeed, it's all going to come down to that Strasbourg Lorient game, isn't it? That's going to be, that's going to be a hell of a match. And Nantes, I think, are going to be okay 
because they've, they've won the last four games and if they win their last match, um, the chances are they're, they're well, they will be, they will be no, safe, they are exactly, safe. because Strasbourg play Laurie, yeah. but even if they draw, there's a pretty good chance, I think, because Brest play Paris Saint-Germain and, you know, they've got a better goal difference than Brest and so they'll probably finish above them and not have actually, uh, would you believe it, been pretty good the last few weeks. So I think I think yeah. they'll be okay. Uh, Koulibaly's back. Mouani's in confidence. I mean, got, got his confidence back as well. And and we we were all raised our eyebrows at Antoine Combouare uh, coming in uh, the firefighter again when he was when he was uh, appointed to try and save Nantes. But hats off, he's done the job, hasn't he? Quick uh, word about Brest. We got an email in from Colin Lowener, who is a fan of Stade Brestois. He is from Vancouver in in Canada. Um, his local team. And Colin rightly points out <laughs> his local team. Uh, no, great to have uh, fans all around the world. Colin points out that we did give Brest a lot of praise in the uh, first half of the season in particular. They were playing some delightful football. That 4-4-2 um, was, uh, was a delight to watch. Players like Roman Fevre and Franck Honorat uh, causing all sorts of problems from the, from the flanks. Um, and Colin's saying, you know, what, what has sort of uh, what has happened and should we be worried about Brest looking, you know, even if they do stay up? Uh, we know there are still uh, there is still some uncertainty with regards to the television deal that hasn't been done yet um, for for next season. Um, Olivier Daloglio has done a wonderful job; has been linked with a, a move away from Brest. Should we be worried about Brest, and um, could they pose Paris Saint Germain a problem uh, already ne- next weekend? Robbie, what do you reckon? Um, they were very good the first time we- Paris Saint Germain played Brest this season. They're, they have they have some excellent players. They have some very exciting players. I think Romain Fevre is a, is a player to to keep your eye on as well. We've seen um, the likes of Steve Mounier and even Gaëtan Charbonnier getting amongst the goals again again recently. Who are you know two above average strikers in Ligue 1. Yeah, look, they're they're a good team. They have a they have you know it's not easy. It's not an easy place to travel to the. Uh, uh, remarkably named Stade Francis Leblay. Look, what can you say about Brest? They're a small, modest team who punch above their weight a little bit. They've got a little bit of history as well. They've always been a side that, are, that in moments in the 80s and 90s, were able to 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 impress in, in the top flight. You know, they're not going to cause Paris Saint-Germain too many problems next week, I don't think, given that it's such a, a crucial match for Paris. But uh, look, they'll be... They love a fight. They're a side. I think they're they're one of the best teams in the air and for tackles and duels and, and beat, all this thing in the Lille, statistics. They beat Lille, didn't they? They beat Lille at, yeah. uh, at home. Um, they concede too many goals, 64 yeah. goals conceded. And actually, mm. Andy, looking at the league table, I mean, I'd, I'd be pretty worried yeah. for them because if Nantes, if Nantes do get that win, then you're looking at Strasbourg and Lorient maybe, I wouldn't say like agreeing to a draw, but, you know, if in the yeah. last 10 minutes... No, I mean, I, I, uh, there, there is... Yeah. Um, it is interesting because they actually were given a lot of praise, you know, as you say, in the first half of the season, they beat Lille. But um, after, I was looking at the league table there in early January, they were in, they were in 10th place and they were they had 26 points. They were 13 points ahead of the relegation playoff place. They had twice as many points as a team in 18th and they've just completely crumbled since then. They've only won three of their last 19 mm. games. One of them was against Dijon, who are rubbish. One of them was against Bordeaux, who are also rubbish. Um, and therefore the momentum is completely gone. If they were playing somebody else in the final day, you'd maybe give them a chance of getting what they needed. But because they're playing PSG, I'm afraid to give them no chance whatsoever. And that's that's a shame because, you know, they, they were a credit to the division in the first half of the season. I think whatever happens now, they will lose 
um, one or two good players in the summer and as you say possibly the coach although you would think that the way in which they've fallen away in the last few months might um, be a bit of a black mark against the manager who by the way is a, a very keen uh, painter did you know that Olivia Delolio? Didn't know and that. He is, uh, I believe he spent time at the uh, <laughs> the School of Fine Arts in Perpignan when he was uh, when he was uh, well when he was a younger man. So maybe maybe if he gets sacked and doesn't get a new job, he can work on his watercolors. The the Brittany landscapes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'll be he'll be in demand, but he does seem to be a very refined um, character and a very good good manager. Let's uh, let's finish with a, a look ahead to 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 next weekend, the final round of the season. Um, don't forget, everybody, if you if you want to get involved with our end of season pod, you can email us with your uh, thoughts for player of the season, coach of the season, goal of the season, surprise of the season, a moment of the season. Email us, league1podcast at gmail.com. But uh, now it's time for a Bon Voyage, one final uh, trip for us this uh, season. All 10 matches taking place simultaneously next Sunday night. It should be dramatic. Let's go on our Bon Voyage. So, uh, Robbie and Andy, some cracking games. They're all kicking off at uh, 9 p.m. local time. You can watch uh, on BT Sport in the UK. That's 8 o'clock in the UK next Sunday. Um, Of course, the games we'll be focusing on will be Angers against Lille and Brest against Paris Saint-Germain. But lots of lots of other big matches uh, Lance Monaco, Lance still fighting for Europe. Monaco still um, still fighting for the title in theory. Um, what else? What else takes my fancy? Leon against Nice. Um, Leon needing to win to try to qualify for the Champions League, and of course that Strasbourg Lorient relegation mm. battle. Um, Robbie, where do you fancy going? Uh, uh, honestly, Matt, for this last round, I think I think we should be everywhere. Is there a way that we can we can, we can set it up to to jump from one stadium to another? Because these are the there's so much to play for all across the division. Uh, uh, apart from perhaps that fifth place where Marseille surely have that that sewn up, I think it's going to go to the wire. We've been saying it for weeks at the top and at the bottom. Um, even that playoff place is a very difficult one because the, there are some good sides coming up from Ligue 2 um, as well. So Trois, who are owned by the the City Group now are on their way up. Clermont, for the first time ever in their history, are on the way up. But the playoff side, there are some there are some good sides there as well who are who are vying for that one. So it's going to be a very, very difficult playoff match for whoever gets caught there. Um, I think we need to be everywhere. Conference it. Let's go. All over the place. I think it's definitely safe now, Robbie, to say it's going to go to the wire. I know we've been yeah. saying that for quite a I think a few it's going years. to go to the last game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andy, um, if you had to be somewhere, where well, would you be? Well, I was just looking at the, the fixtures. You know, there's only one game. I think this is amazing. There's only one game which doesn't have anything riding on it in terms of um, the title, Europe or, or relegation. So um, I'm not going to go to Saint-Étienne-Dijon. I'm going to give that one a miss. Um, and I do also think, you know, it's, I think people rightly say that it's great because in, in, the, in, the, in the Premier League, uh, notably the Premier League, but not just the Premier League, they play every single game spaced out over the weekend. And I, I find that just far too much uh, over the course of a weekend. But this is an example of where it might be nice to have every game sort of spaced out. But unfortunately, <laughs> they're all at the same time. So yeah, I have that problem like, like Robbie does. But why not go to Alsace to watch Strasbourg play Lorient? Because uh, I quite like a, a, a big game in the relegation battle. I remember a few years ago when I commentated the last day of the season, it was Angers against Toulouse. And um, there's going to be a big game in Angers this Sunday. 
And I remember the, the Angers-Toulouse game. Toulouse had to win to stay up and they did in, in dramatic circumstances when they still had Ben Yedder and co. Um, so Strasbourg-Lorient for me because that's possibly going to be uh, what decides the relegation playoff place. Uh, then again, they might play out a draw that suits them both, so I don't know. <laughs> and, Interesting and absolutely, choice. Absolutely cracking game in midweek at the Stade de France as well, which could also in some little way have a bearing on what happens in the on the final day of the season because the, the Coupe de France final between Paris Saint-Germain and Monaco uh, has all the trappings of a fantastic match of football as well. Yeah, it should be great. Nobody has asked me, but I'm definitely going to Angers. Uh, Angers against Lille. The uh, the emotion is going to be in the air. The tension is going to be in the air. Stefan Moulin's last game and perhaps, perhaps Lille's league title. Their fourth or their fifth? Their, it fifth. would be their, their fifth, fifth if they Sorry, can do it. Yes, genuine Andy? question is, is anybody, I mean, I, I said at the beginning, you know, Monaco could win the double is anybody going to say this week in France that Monaco could win the league? I mean, is anybody actually going to entertain that possibility or are we are we completely <laughs> ruling that out? Well, it, it takes PSG and Lille to lose and they need a, a six-goal swing, don't they, in goal difference. So say say Monaco win 4-0 and PSG lose 2-0. No, PSG, and, no, and Lille lose Lille. 1-0. Yeah. So, so basically... PSG's result, if they lose, doesn't matter. But yeah, if Lille lose by two and, oh, right. and okay. Monaco win by four, then... Yeah, it's doable. Is that is well? Look, it can happen. Three three and three nil and three. Are we going to get any? Um, it any, could happen. Any sort of. No one's going to mention well, it. Though, gonna, no. is, is anybody going to promise to do anything? You know, <laughs> crazy if Monaco if this time next week Monaco have won have won the league or won the double. I will do the podcast naked. <laughs> via via Zoom with a very close up shot of just that's of fine, my Matt, head. But just turn the video <laughs> off and 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 then you know we'll, we'll record. <laughs> I think as far as Lille are concerned this week, it's just a case of don't look back in Angers. And on that bombshell... Very nice, Matty, very nice. I will wish you all a great week. Um, it's going to be a cracking build-up to this wonderful finale to a sensational season. And, um, yeah, I can't wait until next Sunday night. Thanks for, for joining us. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks to uh, all of our loyal listeners around the world. It's been a lot of fun this season. We'll be back, of course, next week. Um, until then, have a great week. All the very best. Thanks, Bye-bye. Buddy. Bye-bye, everyone. Beautifully done. Sensational. 